Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. Well, I'd like to invite you to open up to the book of Haggai. Book of Haggai, chapter 2. If you don't know where Haggai is, it's near the end of the Old Testament. It's part of the Minor Prophets. Uh, which are some of the shorter books near the end of the Old Testament. If you need a Bible, there are always a few in the back. Also, at the end of our gathering time, we'll be doing communion together. So make sure if you're a believer and you'd like to participate, the elements of communion are in the back as well. Today, our sermon is entitled Forward Assurance, Forward Assurance. And here's what I'm hoping today that you leave with. I hope today that you're leaved encouraged. I hope that you leave encouraged by the work that God has called us to do. So much in life is discouraging, but I want today to, pro- to, to remind you that through God's word, just as God has always been faithful to his people, and as we read about Israel here in the Old Testament, he will always remain faithful to you and me. Our job is just to get to work. Last week we talked about that. We opened up in Haggai chapter 1 and we talked about how God's people do God's work. And the book opened with God's people uh, back in the promised land and their task was to rebuild the temple. King Cyrus had issued a decree and actually provided some provision. Zerubbabel and and Joshua had led uh, the captives back from Babylon, now Persia, to uh, Israel, and here they find themselves ignoring God's commands. They were ignoring God's commands. The temple still was uh, unbuilt, and so uh, we see that God's people, sometimes we ignore what he's called us to do. But then we looked and we saw that God instead calls us to invest in what he's called us to do and to ultimately respond to his word. And it's through that response that we find blessing. We find blessing in the, in the hard, in the in-between, the good, and everything. Whether you're in the, on the mountaintop or in the valley, you have God's, as his, as his followers, you have his very presence with you leading the way. And so today, we're going we're gonna to see that Israel at the end of chapter 1 of Haggai had responded. But now Israel is discouraged. They're, they're into the work and they're discouraged. And God uses Haggai to encourage the people to be assured of what lies ahead. So let's read the book of Haggai, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet, Speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shatil, governor of Judah, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, talking about all the people of Israel, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you. You'll see this refrain over and over in the book. For I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. 
according to the covenant that I made with you when, I, when you came out of, the, of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, for thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth of all, and, uh, and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of so that the treasures uh, of all the nations shall come in and fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The lighter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for gathering us here today. Lord, I pray as we look at this story of Israel and uh, Lord, them getting to the task of rebuilding the temple as you called them to do. And now they're looking at it and it doesn't look quite like the temple that came before. They're discouraged, God. I pray that these words from the prophet Haggai, Lord, to your people, God, today would give us strength, would encourage us to be strong, us to get to work, and us to rest in your peace and your presence that is here with us in this very moment. So God, speak through your word today. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Here's the big idea. Big idea is this. God's people are assured in God's work. God's people are assured in God's work. God calls us to a task and he assures us in that task. In that task, it might get hard. You might have seen on the church's social media page the other day, we reposted, can y'all believe we're almost a year, end of the month, 29th of August, it'll be a year since Ida hit. So we're about a year removed from uh, gathering under a tent two weeks after the storm. We had 120 people feeding people. If you were there that day, Convoy of Hope dropped off a trailer load of supplies and the whole city came rushing. It was pure chaos. Kenner PD came out, helped get it organized. It was, it was awesome. In the chaos, God, if you didn't know that story, ask Laura and I, we'd love to share it with you. Actually, we'd love to share it with you. It's therapy, you know, because it was a rough day. Uh, but God's glory and God's light still shone and God's light is showing. I have some good news to share about our Kenner property. We finally, it only took uh, more than 11 months, actually 11 months, but we finally have secured, uh, and I told the Wellers this the other day, but we finally secured a roofer. We finally secured a roofer. We got a quote, and that quote, funny thing is this kid uh, that runs the company that is doing it uh, went to high school with me. He was a little bit younger than me. And actually, when he was very little, went to Crossroads. He's not in church anymore right now. Uh, hopefully, maybe we can get him back, you know. But uh, went to Crossroads Community Church when he was younger. And so he wanted to work out a really good deal for us to do the roof. And if y'all didn't know, we had gotten quotes on the tower uh, y'all remember we had the Ford campaign for those of y'all that were here with us and we were planning to redo that tower, look at an elevator, all these things. And the quote that we got just to repair the tower pre-Ida, which of course companies were too busy to honor those quotes after Ida, but the quote that we got to repair everything was just a little bit less than that initial quote that we got just on the tower. Does that make sense? So not only is it going to repair and cap off the tower, but we're going to be able to repair the shingles over the breezeway and then the metal roof 
uh, pretty much the whole roof minus the actual plates that are down have to be replaced. The trim work, a lot of the, a lot of the screws need to be taken out, resealed, all those things. Uh, we have to put some uh, edging behind gutters and, and we have to get brand new gutters. I'll tell you, I thought the gutters alone were gonna almost be the cost of the initial roofing quote because gutters are expensive. Y'all know that, right? Think about the gut, you, what you've paid to maybe get it done on your house and think about that for a commercial grade building. So God is good, God's provided. And I'm thinking about, we mentioned this last week, that if you look at chapter one, that the time frame that this message was given was given in the Jewish calendar between August and December. And it's just kind of a coincidence. It kind of landed on me the Saturday night before last week's Sunday message that here we are, we're in August. And our goal is to try to get back into our place by the end of the year, by December, maybe sooner than that. And here we are in the same time frame, and God is encouraging us with the same words that there's work to do, and he's going to get that work done. Now, we may be discouraged because we're out, out of our building, but do you know at this time, Israel was without a temple in Jerusalem, which the temple to them in Jerusalem was not just a house of worship, it was where God's presence was. So they have been at this point without a temple for 66 years. 66 years, you don't think that that breeds some discouragement. In their time, that means that they hadn't heard from the presence of God for 66 years other than through prophets. They have not, like God's presence wasn't in the Holy of Holies as they saw it fit to be. And so what we see here is that the prophet Haggai, even as they're rebuilding this temple, they become discouraged and the prophet Haggai offers assurance and encouragement now for God's people. So what we see in the first three verses is this. God's people, let's, let's say an amen to this. God's people, we often grow weary in doing God's work. Amen, right? God's people, we grow weary. It's okay to get tired. Laura and I get tired. In fact, we're going to a NAM uh, North American Mission Board conference in October that we're kind of required to go to, but we decided to tack an extra day. If Hey, the North American Mission Board is helping to fly us to Fort Lauderdale for a conference for a few days. And we're like, hey, if they're gonna fly us out there, we can, we can afford a hotel for another night, you know? And so we're gonna take some time and invest another night in our relationships so that we can be prepared for all that God has called us to do. Do y'all know that sometimes we grow tired and weary and we have to do things. Maybe you don't have the opportunity to do a night, a night in Florida, but maybe it's get away to the woods. Maybe it's go walk around a park. Maybe it's spend some time with God. Laura and I recently, and I'm not saying this to brag, but Laura and I recently have been shutting technology off at a certain time of night and just spending time with God. Spending time with God and with one another. Y'all know a lot of good would happen, right, if we could just shut technology off and hear from God. And so we have to do things to, to counteract the discouragement that we have. God's people, we grow weary in doing his work. So let's look at those first uh, three verses again of chapter 2 of the book of Haggai, it says, in the seventh month on the 21st day of the month, the 21st day of the month of the seventh month was actually the seventh day of the festival of Sukkot. 
And the festival of Sukkot is also known as the, fe the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was the way, way Israel commemorated that God was with them in the, in the wilderness. If you didn't know it, when they were in the wilderness journeying from Egypt to the promised land, they built a, they, they constructed a tabernacle. They brought the Ark of the Covenant in there, and that's where God's presence was. It was a forbearance to the temple that would be built. And here's, the, here's a spoiler alert. Nowadays, we don't have to seek God in a temple. God's presence lives in us. And we're called together as his people to gather and encourage one another with these words as scripture tells us. So here they are. They're on the last day of the feast of, of or the seventh day of the feast of tabernacles, which commemorated God's provision. And in this moment, they're discouraged. They've, they've given up on the work again. And God sends Haggai to encourage them. Look at verse two. It says, Haggai says, thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai. Oh, oh wait, I'm reading, verse, I'm reading chapter 1. I'm sorry about that. So verse 2 of chapter 2, it says, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shatil, uh, the governor of Judah, and Joshua, a son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So speak now to the, the governor of, of Israel. Speak now to the priest of Israel. But this, this message wasn't just for the leaders to be encouraged. It says to all the remnant of the people, everyone who had returned. Who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it as nothing in your eyes? Haggai does something brilliant here. He sees them. He sees that they're discouraged. And he meets them right in the midst of their discouragement. Do y'all know that there's a difference between sympathy and empathy? Sympathy is when you're like, I'm sorry you're going through that. Empathy is when you try to feel what the person's going through. Here, Haggai does a good job of not just sympathizing, but empathizing with them, knowing that many of those older people who had returned with the remnant of Israel had seen Solomon's temple, the first temple, and seen how glorious it was. And if you read the book of Ezra, it says that some of them were, even when the new temple got built, some of them were crying, and not with, not with cries of praise, but with cries of sorrow, because the new temple that was built didn't even compare to the former one that had been built. So they were discouraged. And here, Haggai is, is meeting them in the midst of their discouragement and promising them that God is still there and that God is still working. Discouragement over the enormity of any task can, can sidetrack us from the mission that God has called us to. Second is this, we're going to see in the next two verses, that God's people are strengthened by his presence. So we often grow weary in doing God's work but we are strengthened by his presence. Let's read verses 4 and 5 again together of chapter 2. It says, yet now. See, the, there's a transition. Okay, you're discouraged. You're discouraged that the house now doesn't compare to the former house. Yet now, Haggai says, O Zerubbabel declares the Lord. And it says what? Be strong. O Joshua son of, of Jehozadak, the high priest, be strong. Be strong, all you people, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out in Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. 
fear not. Richard Taylor writes in the New American Commentary that decisions or reactions at the time of a critical juncture in time often determine our future outcome. Let me say that again. Decisions made at a critical juncture in time often determine our future outcome. So here's the deal. We're going to get discouraged in what God has called us to do, even in our church, contextualizing it for us, getting back to Kenner. We're going to get discouraged along the way, but here's how we counteract that discouragement. We are strengthened by the Lord's presence. That's why we gather in, in worship. We don't, we don't gather just to sing three songs or three or four songs at the beginning, and we're not doing like our own rendition of like Christian karaoke. You know, like we're not doing that. No, we're lifting up praise together that is encouraging. The book of Ephesians and Colossians says that when we sing uh, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, we sing them to one another. And part of the reason we're not only singing it to God, but we're singing it to one another is when he inhabits the praises of, of his people, we're to be encouraged. So I would, I would challenge you that when we gather together as the church, if you can't get 10% as excited as you are maybe for like the Saints to play, you know, or my friend Keegan, Keegan's the first, I'm embarrassed Keegan, Keegan's the first person I ever baptized at Restoration Church and he is here and his baptism was epic. You see, Keegan is a wrestling fan and when I was baptized, and Reese can relate to this, when I was baptizing Keegan, my hand slipped and I choke slammed him into the baptistry. It was pretty epic. Keegan will never forget that, right? But here's the deal. We should be as excited as we are at a wrestling match. We should have as much excitement as we do when we gather together with God's people. Whatever excites you, if God's presence and his people don't excite you as much or, or even a percentage of that, we have to check our hearts. Because God's presence is here among his people and we are strengthened together. That's why the refrain is repeated to Zerubbabel, to Joshua, and to all the people. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. This echoes what God had already told uh, Joshua, Josh, not Joshua the high priest, but Joshua the successor of Moses. You see, Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he struck the rock. And so he didn't get to bring Israel into the promised land. Joshua is risen up to bring Israel into the land of Canaan. And Joshua is, be, is discouraged and the Lord speaks to him in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Maybe you need to hear that again today. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Furthermore, David had repeated this refrain to Solomon, his son, who built the first temple. He repeated in 1 Chronicles 28.20, 20, it says, Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do it. Be strong and courageous and do it. So here, here the prophet Haggai is going back to Scripture. I've told you about prophecy. 
A lot of times prophecy is just pointing us back to the truth that God has already promised for us. So here he's going and he's taking the scriptures and he's giving it a modern day application. That's why we open up the word and we apply it to our lives because even the word has application to the seasons in which God's word was written. So be strong. Just as Haggai encouraged them to be strong, today we are encouraged to be strong and to get to work. The word here for work means is Asa, and it means to manufacture. It means that hard, hard labor is going to be involved in doing what God has called us to do. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, in the darkest ages, as Christ has, has always had a church. Let me, let me repeat that again. In the darkest ages... Christ has always had a church. Maybe you turn on TV and we've had, we've had a lot of crazy mess going on in the last few years. We had, uh, we had the racial unrest that still exists, but we had it uh, two summers ago. We've had a, we have a recession. We're in the middle of a recession. Uh, I don't know if it's a recession yet, but it's going to get there, right? Inflation's as high as it could be. Uh, did, did we have a peaceful presidential election? I don't know. Like, it wasn't peaceful, right? Not peaceful at all. We still have trials. We still have debates, all that stuff going on. Y'all, we've, we've had a tough time. But in the midst of all the darkness, be reminded when you turn on CNN, Fox, wherever you, you get your news, be reminded that even in the darkest ages, Christ has always had a church. And even in darker times still, Charles Spurgeon tells us, in the darker times that come, he will have his church still. That's why in verse 5, we're reminded that God's spirit, he says, my spirit remains in your midst, fear not. The antidote to every problem, every trial that we have is the presence of God and being reminded of the truth that he's spoken to us. I encourage you when you get discouraged, open God, actually before you get discouraged, open God's word. That's why we have to memorize it. You know, uh, David cried out Psalms 119, how can a young man keep his way pure by taking heed according to your word? With my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commands. Psalm 911, it says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. God's presence and God's truth strengthen us in trial. I love what Francis Chan says about the Holy Spirit in his book, Forgotten God. He says, Jesus often refers to the Holy Spirit as helper or comforter. Let me remind you of that. Jesus often in scripture, especially in the book of John, refers to the Holy Spirit as helper or comforter. Now let me ask you this simple question Francis Chan asks. Why would we need to experience a comforter if our lives are already comfortable? Why would we need a comforter if our lives are comfortable? If we who are evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will the Lord God give the Holy Spirit, his very presence, to those who ask? So let us be strengthened by his presence today and let us not fear what lies ahead. I'll, I'll read one more quote by Jeff Vanderstelt. He talks about fear and he says, you know, fear is an interesting thing. It's not about what is happening necessarily. It's about what we believe will happen. Now get that fear is not necessarily all about what's happening. It's about what we think will happen. 
it's connected to what we believe about the future. Whatever threatens you the most is often what controls you. What you fear is what controls you. Maybe you read scripture and it says to fear the Lord, and you're like, wait, I'm not, that doesn't make sense. God's love, why am I supposed to fear him? Because fear controls us. We respect fear. If you're scared when you're a kid of the dark closet in your room, you don't go near that closet, do you? You know, and if, uh, if something came out of that closet and told you to do something, you're going to do it. You're going to run in fear and you're going to do it. Well, what the scripture says is that we're supposed to fear God. And the funny thing about when we fear God, the ironic thing is he always tells us to fear not. It's about control. It's about submission. That's why Proverbs 9, 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is what brings insight. So God's people often grow weary in doing his work. God's people are strengthened by his presence. And lastly, what we'll see is that God's people rely on God's promise. Let me say again, God's people rely on God's promise. Let's read in chapter 2, verses 6 through 9 together. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more, Now the once more is here because we just were told that the promise was for those to be reminded of how God had provided for them when they came out of the land of Egypt. And he says, for once more in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and dry land. Perhaps they're reminded of Mount Sinai where the heavens and the earth seemed to shake and and God's law was given to his people. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Do you all know that it was expensive to rebuild the temple? The second temple did not amount in size and quote-unquote earthly majesty to the first temple. But God promised just as he inhabited the first temple that his presence would be there in the second. It doesn't matter what type of offering or what thing that you do for God. He inhabits the praises of his people. Maybe you don't have much, just like the widow could only give a mite, could only give what she has, but she gave more than all the rest because she gave out of the abundance and overflow of her heart. God's people rely on his promise. And we see that he says, once more, I will shake and, and the treasures of the earth will come in. Do you know, not only had Cyrus decreed that he was going to help financially rebuild this temple, but God sent people to randomly provide for their needs. And you know what? God will provide for our needs. After Hurricane Ida, if you don't know what I do during the week, every week, some weeks, I have about two to three hours spent on the phone with FEMA almost every week. And I'm about to give up on it because you know that they, uh, y'all pray for him, pray pray for me. Mike actually still helps out even from Georgia. It's a lot. They, they, y'all know FEMA makes it so hard that they're not going to give you money. That's kind of what it comes down. Let's be honest. That's what it comes down to. And so here's the deal. Whether we get, y'all know our insurance denied us uh, for Ida and whether we get through FEMA or not, we get anything out out of it. God will provide. God will provide, and he is always provided. We had $45,000 given to us randomly after Hurricane Ida by people, by people in churches. 
One individual just about a week after the storm said, can you run by my office and handed me a $16,000 check for our church. Y'all know God is going to provide. If we are obedient to his work, he will provide everything that we need. And what we see historically is that God provided for Israel to rebuild. And he will always do that. And he says at the end of verse 7, I will fill this house with glory. Just as in 1 Kings 8, chapter 11, the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. God's glory would fill this house once more. And he reminds them in verse 8, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. God in the psalm says that he owned a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is his, declares the Lord of the hosts. And he says, and he tells them this, some of them were looking at the first temple and saying, you know what? This temple will never amount to what that first one had. And what he says is this, the latter glory of this house shall be not as the first house. He says it shall be greater. Now get this, the second temple that was built, the physical structure was smaller. The physical structure was smaller. But what does his promise say? That the latter glory of this house will be greater than the former. And in fact, even today, we're living out that promise and prophetic word because his presence working among his people is greater. His temple is no longer just one place on earth for us to pilgrimage to. No, God's presence lives among us. That means the underground church in Iraq, the underground church in sub-Saharan Africa, the underground church in China, the, the churches in Australia, the churches in South America, the churches that dot North America and Europe. That means God's presence, his glory is all over the face of the earth and we inhabit his praise and his presence. And he closes in this way. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. Now they were distressed. They were distressed because they had taken, they had gotten to the Lord's work. Now they were utterly discouraged. People were rising up against them. You read the book of Ezra, Samaritans and other foreign people that, were, that inhabited the land while they were gone were discouraging them and getting back to the work that they were called to. They were discouraged, but God promises them to be there and that he would encourage them and that he would bring them peace. And this word for peace is shalom. Maybe in fact they were living out the truth of Scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 8, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Or maybe, in fact, they were being encouraged furthermore, as Zechariah prophesied at the same time, for whoever despised the days of small things shall rejoice. So don't despise small beginnings is what Zechariah, alongside the prophet Haggai, encourage the people. And so today, I want to encourage you with the same words. I want you to leave here encouraged. As the band comes back up, they're going to lead us in a song of response. I want to encourage you that God's people are assured in the work that he has called us to. God's people are assured of God's work. And I want to invite you to join the family of Jesus that's called to do a great work together. Book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Now, if you feel that your life, you have your life together, maybe you don't feel that you need to be saved. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We need salvation. We've messed it up. He is the only one who can make it right. And all we, are do, we, all we have to do is we call upon his name. And he saves us. We confess that we are sinners and we believe that he's risen from the dead and that he is who he said he was. Surrender your life completely to him. And just as he tells Israel that he will give them peace, this is possibly a reminder of the blessing that Aaron and the priests were given in the book of Numbers. And I want to read this verse in closing to you today. Numbers chapter 6, the blessing among God's people. The blessings on the priests who would attend to the very presence in the tabernacle and the temple of Jesus. And now, in fact, as God's people, we are all priests. It says that we are a nation of priests. We are a royal priesthood. We are called according to what he wants to do. We are called according to his excellences. We are his people. Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26 says this. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance, his, his face, his presence upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. Word shalom is a peace that surpasses all understanding. It brings physical wholeness. It brings spiritual wholeness. It brings complete wholeness. So I want you to be assured in trial today that God's peace and his presence are here. And I pray just as the priests were blessed in the book of Numbers, today I pray the people of God are blessed that the Lord will bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's pray and then we're going to sing a song of response that echoes God's word. May we rest in that promise. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. God, I pray today that we as your people, we would kneel to your promises. We'd be reminded of your goodness. Lord, we would be encouraged by your presence. So Lord, as we sing this song of blessing, Lord, may we take this blessing that you sing over us and give it back to you. Give it back to you in our words and our deeds. Lord, help us to love you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love other people, even those that don't deserve it, God. Help us to love them as we ourselves have been loved. It's in your name that we respond. Amen. Would you